Uh, okay, then. Ron Wolfley. Ron Wolfley. What is up? <laughs> Witch Buster. Extraordinaire. Love that guy. Luke Lipinski. He sounds pretty good. He sounds pretty articulate. Wolf and Luke. 98.7 FM. Arizona's Sports Station. What is the week of change in the Valley Wolf? Live from the Auction Community Studios, it is the Wolf and Luke Show. We already had ASU announce their change over the weekend. We had the Cardinals perhaps flip the script on their season when they were down 20 nothing at halftime with one of the biggest comebacks in franchise history. But today, just about, I don't know, what, 40 minutes ago, Robert Sarver announces he is beginning the process of selling the Phoenix Suns and the Mercury. Um there's a lot of places to go with this. How surprised are you? Let's start there. You know, honestly, right now, I'm not surprised. Not surprised this, at all. This seemed inevitable, didn't it, Luke? Yeah, we talked about it last week. I, I figured there was no way by the end of the suspension he would own the team. I didn't necessarily think it would be this week, but there was just no way. But there you know was what, just no way. It, it clears it up for me because there had to be an understanding in place before this declaration was made. This is something that I've been talking about the whole time. Now, listen, I don't know if there was base earnings, but to me, we're never going to know because you're going to go down that path and I'm going to go down the same path I went down last week of by putting the the report out there and being transparent the NBA opened the door for people like Draymond Green sure. and Chris Paul Absolutely. and uh, all that either way he's not he's not going to own the team look at um although completely specula- speculative once again the parameters of the deal um they seem pretty clear don't they if in fact it was there the league was saying hey listen we're going to take it easy on you and you're going to sell the team Sooner as opposed to later, correct? Uh, you know, I mean, yeah. that to me right there. That's entirely possible because this was all only like a week ago. Yeah, and that, it explains Adam Silver to me, Basin earnings. It does. Adam Silver struggled mightily in his press conference. No wonder why Adam Silver was carefully choosing his words and making sure not to attack Robert Sarver. I... Again, uh, I am the grassy knoll. This is purely speculation right here. Um, this is something that I think was in place uh, before this announcement was made. Well, either way, I mean, however they got there, I think we can agree on some things. The investigation, I mean, that just came down. That was just last week. Yeah. <laughs> it feels like that was years ago. And you have that theory. I have my theory. I think probably it's somewhere in the middle. But either way, I, I, I think we can all agree that when Adam Silver's up there talking last week and looking very uncomfortable and looking flat out like he wasn't doing what he wanted to do, they all knew behind the scenes whether there was a deal in place or whether it was just, look, it's out there and we're just going to start, the, the ball's going to start rolling and we haven't even gotten really the sponsorships other than PayPal. We haven't yeah. really gotten to a lot of players around the league speaking out yet other than Draymond Green yesterday and Media Day's coming up next week for not only the Suns but every other team. I mean, do you, you really want the Suns having to answer all these questions? They're still going to have to, but it's a different tone and it's not just, hey, what's Devin Booker going to say? It's what's LeBron going to say in LA? What is Joel Embiid going to say in Philly? Like It was going to be a league-wide thing. So I, I, yeah, I'm surprised you know, it was this quick, but I didn't think it was going to make it past Christmas. I think, too, it's smart on the ownership, on Robert Sarber to actually sell it right now as well. It is because he has no other choice when you think about it. Everything you just said, I agree with. Now, all of a sudden, can you imagine? Okay, there's a year suspension, and you're still getting people coming out and talking about this. You're still getting people like LeBron James coming out, like Draymond Green coming out and, and making their comp. Can you imagine 
if, in fact, when Robert Sarver comes back, the things people would be saying at that no point way. in time from the, from the suspension. So now you look at it, Luke, and you think to yourself, my goodness, man, this... This makes perfect sense right now to actually sell the Sun. This is great news for Suns fans. Yeah, I mean, and, and I don't want to lose the whole actual story that happened here, but I, I get it on a day like today. There were a lot of Suns fans that wanted Robert Sarver out five years ago when there was none sure. of this stuff uh, out there. And, and I do wonder if it hits the same way strictly from the sports perspective because the Suns are good now. So it, this is not just strictly from the sports side of things. You know, three or four years ago, hey, Sarver won't get out of the way and the team keeps losing. Now they're a good team. But when you see all the stuff in the report, there was just no way. that I mean, pressure was going to build every day or at least every yes. other day. The story was not. Look, this is one of those stories. There was no way it was going to end until he sold the team. And if you feel sorry for Robert Sarver, he's going to make like $2 billion. It's gonna be a, it's, he's going to make more than that, in my opinion. He is. This is. But again, I don't want to focus on that right now. I want to talk about for Suns fans. Right now, this is um, this is a new era of Suns basketball that is ready to begin. Uh, and this team's future looks really, really good right now, doesn't it? Think about it. I mean, hyper-talented team. Mm-hmm. A, a team that won how many games last year? 64. 64 games last year. They got a new practice facility. The arena has been completely renovated. It's like a new arena. They got an excellent coach, an excellent general manager, their future looks super bright. Whoever buys this team is going to be in a position to prosper. Yeah, I mean, if you have the money, this is this is one of those situations. If you have the two or three billion dollars or whatever it's going to cost, you know you're going to profit. And typically, you don't buy a sports franchise with the hope. Oh, okay, I hope I'm going to profit. Like some of it has to be. Yeah, this is fun for me though too. That I'm a billionaire and this is kind of a hobby. You buy this team, you're going to make money. How much? I mean, Sarver got it for four hundred million and four hundred and one million dollars, which was a record all the way back in two thousand and four. It was a record at the time of the sale. Get ready for another record because all the pieces are in place right now. And if you're a businessman, you're somebody who has made a lot of money and done very, very well. To your point, a billionaire right now, and yet you. You want to look at something to actually play with and have fun? Let's face it. There are 30 owners in the NBA. You're going to do this right here. You've got this tweet from Woj, too, about five, six minutes ago. It says the uh, Suns are considered an extremely desirable franchise in the marketplace and will have no shortage of high-level ownership candidates. It's a warm-weather destination in the West. League executives always believe this could be a monster free agent destination with right ownership. Now, the first part of that, yeah, I mean, does that surprise anybody? Hey, people are going to want to buy the Suns. <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> no, duh. Like, obviously, people are going to want to buy the Suns. But that second part is the part where if, you are, if you're just looking at this as a fan of the team, if you believe this has held you back in the past, it certainly, in my opinion, was going to hold you back going forward. How many players are going to want to come play for Robert Sarver after reading that report? Yes. It was going to hold you back in the future. It, yes. was, it was going to if he owned the team. If he was sitting courtside a year from now, you're going to lose out on free agents because of it. In addition to all the human aspects of the story that we're not talking about today, but we have talked about, there was just this was a story that wasn't going to end until he didn't own the team anymore. Wolf, how about this? I mean, this is Draymond Green uh, yesterday, and, and and I'm not saying that this was the final straw, but it's indicative of what was going on. I saw where Commissioner Silver said, I've taken the steps that I can take, the maximum penalty that I can hand out, I hand it out, 
And now it falls on, you know, in order for him to be kicked out as an owner of an, of a franchise and forced to sell, that that vote would fall on two thirds of the other owners of these assets. And so what I would say is then why don't we pose a vote? Because that is definitely an, an offense that's probably grounds for force being forced to sell. You think those owners wanted to vote? Because I don't think they wanted to vote. Why do you say that, Luke? Because I I would think, of course, they'd want to. You know, the PR for the league, once again. I keep thinking of the PR for the league and why this is bad, and I'm... I'm being a little facetious here yeah, because I, I, I think I know where you're your gonna. I think I know where you're gonna go with this, but why? Why do you say that? I'm not the one that has that is first throwing this theory out there, but I'm guessing a lot of these owners a didn't want the spotlight turned around on them, or hmm. b maybe even even more simply just didn't want to have to deal with some monster lawsuit and and the PR battle that was going to go down if they had to vote Robert Sarver out. Yeah. I am sure they would much rather Robert Sarver leave. He makes his money. And as far as the other owners are concerned, this yeah. isn't a story in a week. Right, exactly. You're not going to be talking to anybody else about this, right, Robert? Yeah. <laughs> You're not going to be doing that. You know, it's it's amazing, Basinonians. This is the way I've always lived my life. But when I see somebody else get in trouble, when I see somebody else get in trouble out there, the first thing I do is I think of myself. I do. What are you doing, Rod? What are you doing? What mistakes have you made in your life? What, what do you need to correct in your own life immediately when somebody else gets in trouble with the law, whatever may happen or something like that? That's what I think of immediately. What are you doing? And I'm wondering right now, Basinonians, if in fact there's not a lot of NBA owners looking at their own workplace. And what are you doing? Yeah, Maybe that's... this ultimately could be a good thing for the league. And that's probably a, a good way just as a person to go through life. I will say, though, Robert Sarver, I'm sure he feels like he's being punished right now. He is going to walk away from all this with $2 billion, which is, you know, that's, that's the way it is. With a, with a lot more than that. Yeah, but if you are a Suns fan, a lot of Suns fans have wanted Robert Sarver out for a long time. And if you are one of those people that was in that report, do you feel any better today? I don't know that you do. I, I, you know, I heard Bickley and Murata talking about it this morning. There's, there's no length that suspension could be. You could have made it five years. Big deal. He's coming back at some point. So I don't know. I, I don't know how, how people in that actual report feel, but at least now this is something tangible of Robert Sarver's not going to own the Suns anymore. Because right. it just didn't feel right that he was going to after all of that came out. It wasn't one thing. It was a lot of things. Uh, week three of Bix Picks is underway. Text pick the 620-620 to sign up and compete against Dan Bickley for your chance at the grand prize 75-inch TV courtesy of Corona Extra. Weekly winners are going to receive an NFL jersey of their choice and a $50 gift card to cold beers and cheeseburgers. So text pick the 620 <clears throat> to enter. Obviously, we're going to be talking a lot of Sarver today, but when we come back, what is the Cardinals offense have to do to beat the Rams on Sunday. They are facing their arch nemesis on Sunday. That's next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Hi, this is Kyler Murray, and you're listening to 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Nobody in this room is fast as this kid. He's like that little kid. You can't catch me. Allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is Snap to Murray, and he's going to keep it off the left side. He's at the 10, at the 5. He's in again. Some more Murray magic. Our guy is one of those that gives you a chance every Sunday, and at his best, you know, I don't know who's better in this league. Let's be the best. Let's go, baby. Let's go. Wolf and Luke talk Cardinals now. 
right, welcome back to the show, Wolf. I do want to get this out there on the Sarver stuff because we were talking about how much you might make on this. That Forbes report that last week had his uh, his stake in the team estimated at right around $630 million. Yeah. I'm guessing this team, I'm just guessing they sell for at least $2.5 billion, if not $3 billion. I'm guessing he walks away with a billion dollars. Okay. Okay, so uh, or at least close. Again, you can walk with close to a billion. Either it's way, it's kind of like what do you think the Suns are going to sell for? Um, for me, I think it's going to be three billion plus. That's just me. I, I realize that would be a lot, but I guess what I'm I, I'm looking at is look at all the look at all the goodness that is surrounding this organization right now. The fact that they have this brand new facility in Paradise Valley. This beautiful, brand new practice facility in Paradise Valley. That's going to draw free agents. That is a, that is a plus. That's a feather in the organization's cap. And then you think of the renovation that has happened down at the arena. I mean, this is, this is no doubt about it, man. This is going to be a desirable franchise. An owner is going to walk into a situation where they can win now. Well, and I think you still you get out in front of it a little bit collectively uh, now if you're selling the team as opposed to it's not like if, if this all went down a year from now and, and you know Sarver came back and tried to own the team and, and there was just so much outcry and they had to sell it that suddenly the Suns wouldn't have value. But um, you see a lot of estimates for like two billion ish of what they're worth. You figure, I mean, it's only going up, right? So let's say that they sell it for all those reasons you just said. Let's say when they actually sell something, sometimes stuff sells for more than it's worth. Let's say it sells for two point five billion or three billion, and he's sure. got thirty five percent of that. That's a billion dollars or yeah. eight hundred million. Either way, he's no making doubt. money off this. He's not. He's not being punished to the point where he's losing money too. He's making a ton of money off of it. Yeah, I, you know, once again, I'm just looking at the condition of the franchise right now and the fact that $401 million back in 2004, that set a record then. Why should I, why would anything be different now? I, I think he, I think we could see a situation where it certainly is going to go for $3 billion. We'll That's see. Just me. It's a lot of money. Either way, NBA teams, there's not a lot of them you can own. And to your point, this is uh, this is one in a pretty good spot right now with Devin Booker to build around. Uh, over to football and looking at the game this weekend, Wolf. It's it's interesting to me how much the narrative of this season is going to hinge on this upcoming game. And I know it's the NFL and I know things swing each week regardless of, uh, of you know, if you, as long as your team is in any sort of contention, the narrative swings a lot. But if you go out there and you beat the Rams, then all of a sudden it is, hey, we can beat the Rams, which is something we really haven't done except yeah. one time in the last five years. And maybe it's because the, the halftime of that Raiders game was a turning point. If you lose to the Rams and you lose badly, it's going to be you had one good half in your first three games and you've got a lot of stuff sure. to fix. That's, uh, those are the narratives that are going to come out of this game on Sunday. Those are two pretty extreme narratives. Well, once again, um, if in fact the Arizona Cardinals are going to win a game, it's going to look an awful lot like what happened in the second half of the Raiders game in Las Vegas, Nevada, Basin. It just is. It's going to look like that. The offense needs to carry this team. I've been talking about that all season long. They need to. But the defense needs to show up as well. And that was maybe the most encouraging thing. Not only that, Kyler Murray was right in the middle of the maelstrom in that comeback in the second half. But it was also the defense and how the defense played in that second half. That was so encouraging. Right now, the number one thing the Arizona Cardinals need to do to beat the Rams is believe they can beat Aaron Donald and the Rams. 
Yeah, the offensive line is coming off a very strong performance against the Raiders. It's a little bit different. This is not two guys on the edge. This is Aaron Donald. And there's nobody, I would assume, in the league, and this is not based on just watching the games. This is based on what players tell us. There's nobody in the league I'd rather block less than Aaron Donald. Everything starts with him. I do wonder if you might be catching the Rams at as good of a time as you can catch them at. They haven't looked great the first couple weeks. It's early in the season following a run to the Super Bowl. I mean, you're not going to get an advantage by playing the Rams, but you got to play them twice anyway, maybe a third time if you make the playoffs uh, this this is not this is not both teams fighting for a playoff spot in December this maybe is a chance to also sneak up on them but that doesn't really matter what matters is the Cardinals need to play a much cleaner game than they played on Sunday if they really want to win this game yeah once you get past the you got to believe you can actually beat Aaron Donald and beat the Rams here because the Rams has been a huge problem for them as we all know then you got to block Aaron Donald <laughs> That's number one. The first thing you've got to do after you've got the belief in your heart you can actually win is you've got to block Aaron Donald. And that is a problem. There's no doubt about that. We all know that. And it's not just Aaron Donald you've got to beat. Not just Aaron Donald you've got to block. It's yourself as well. When you think of that playoff game, just think of how Aaron Donald just wreaked havoc in that game. On Kyler Murray and on the Arizona Cardinals offense. They've got to go out, believe. That's I don't want to fine. think about it anymore. Believe all you want to, but at some point in time, you got to put a hat on it. You got to do it and you got to block them. And how they're going to block them, that's number two for me. They need to generate pressure. There's no doubt about that. But man, they, they've got to go ahead and they've got to put the pressure on Aaron Donald by blocking him with some double teams. Well, this is A.Q. Shipley, who was on with us yesterday, talked about the idea of just running right at Donald. Great at him. I try and get as many double teams as I could on him all day long. And from that point forward, then, you know, Maybe he doesn't rush a passer as hard after taking, you know, five deuce blocks with DJ Humphreys clipping his hip. You know what I mean? <laughs> look, I mean, they ran at him in October last year when they beat the Rams. Now, I know you've said Aaron Donald didn't look like he was totally engaged in yes. that game the way he typically does. And, and that probably is true, but <laughs> that might be the case here in, in late September, game three of a 17 game season after just winning the Super Bowl against the team. I don't think the Cardinals scare the Rams at all. So the Rams may very well take the Cardinals lightly. You may have a chance to sneak up on them and and surprise them. Uh. Aaron Donald, defensive tackle, Pittsburgh. Here are the three things you need to know about Aaron Donald. He was a prolific pass rusher at Pitt, recording 29 and a half career sacks. NFL scouts rave about his elite speed in getting off the ball, and he's incredibly durable. Donald missed only one game in four seasons at Pitt. If you wanted to miss this game, that'd be fun. Yeah. I like the fact you actually got your face blown off by the music <laughs> and I at had some point in time right there. Much louder were, than usual in my head. You so. were actually talking. <laughs> that was great. Um, okay. Stay balanced by running the ball at Aaron Donald. That is number two. Number one, block Aaron Donald. Do you see where this is going? Number two, stay balanced by running the ball at him. And this is something that really encouraged me. I look back at the tape, of course, and watching it. Tape talk. I talked about it yesterday. The Arizona Cardinals. Ran what I believe was 22 and 23 double or a version of it. And that is the first time I've seen that in the Cliff Kingsbury era. That's where you literally have you have 12 personnel lined up. A.J. Green motioned down both tight ends on the same side of the ball. 
both side, both tight ends, and then A.J. Green. So a trips formation with three big dudes standing out on the edge, and they handed the ball off. It was an interior run, and there were two double teams. Two double teams. That's exa- it was twenty. It was the power without the pull. It was the power without the pull, and it actually worked. That was the best part about it. I want to see them build on this, and this that play could be exactly the play you want to run against Aaron Donald. Two double team, two hundred and and ninety pounds. Justin Pugh. 335 pounds, Will Hernandez, coming off the ball. All all of your points revolve around Aaron Donald, but here's the thing. Again, this is week three of the season. I'm not saying the Rams are not a really good to great team and that they're not going to get better over the course of the season. They know what to do now to win a Super Bowl. But going into week three of the season, who on this team has looked scary other than Aaron Donald? The Rams haven't looked good the first two weeks. Does Matthew Stafford scare you? Like, no, I get it. He won a Super Bowl. That's great. He throws to the other team twice a game. I'm I'm just saying. He's a very good quarterback. but Aaron Donald. Most of the teams you play have very good players. Aaron Donald is the only guy on the Rams right now that's like, okay, this guy's terrifying. Yeah. There is no doubt about it. So also, everything too, focuses and on you him. Saw the impact that Aaron Donald had on Kyler Murray in the offense. Yeah, that's that. That's got to be in the back of your head. It looked like Aaron Donald had figured out the Cardinals the last time we saw these two teams play. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at six twenty six twenty right now. We come back. Who are the best teams in the National Football League? We're going to rank our top five heading into Week Three next with the Power Pulls, the Wolf and Luke Show on ninety eight seven FM Arizona Sports Station. The best in the NFL, Wolf and Luke's NFL Power Power Brought to you by IBEW Local 640, the best electricians in the world. All right, it is the week three edition of the Wolf and Luke Power Poll. Wolf, you want to go first or second today? No, I'll go, go second. second. Yeah, okay. See, we're on the same page here. See we do. We, we almost said that in unison. All right. Copacetic. Let's uh, start. With, I will tell you right off the bat. Number five was painful for me. Number five. Number five is painful for me because I really, I really want to put the Dolphins in the top five. I know they're probably going to get smoked this week because they're playing Buffalo. But Tyree Kill, Mike McDaniel. Two pretty good additions. Jalen Waddle looks. I'm not going to put him there quite yet. I'm still going to stick with the Chargers. I know they took a loss, but they played pretty well against the Chiefs. They could have won that game. I'm going to have the Chargers number five because what I'm thinking, Wolf, is if the Chargers and Dolphins played in the playoff game right now, I trust Justin Herbert a lot more than Tua. Okay. So I'm still going to go Chargers at number five. Yeah, right now, the power poll, you got to look at it. you got to say, um, this is week two in the NFL. It is not the postseason, so therefore, I'm not even going to consider it. I'm going to say, who is the best team right now, the top five teams in week two? Do you have them in there? Number one, the Green Bay Packers at number five. Okay, number one not number, number one. On, the pa- I was going to give away number one. I said, don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. Number five, the Packers. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I know they're one and one right now, but they're playing exactly who they need to play this week. They're at Tampa Bay. This is going to tell us an awful lot about this team. These two teams in particular, the Green Bay Packers with Aaron Rodgers. 
Yeah, I'm going to put him number five. How, how much do you think Todd Bowles blitzes Aaron Rodgers in this game? Like, what, every one out of every five plays? Like, I just feel like he's going to blitz he's nonstop. Not, uh, right, he's, he's not going to do that at first. And maybe when the game is on the line, that's Todd Bowles, what he likes to do typically. Yeah. Like, he'll bring cover well, zero. Isn't their, their, their blitz rate against the Packers over the last few years is like 18% or something? But I think the Packers are going to try to jam the ball down their throat. You just wanted to talk about A.J. Dillon, even though you didn't mention exactly him. right. I wanted to. Number four. <laughs> number four. Four. All right, number four on this list, Wolf. It would be nice to not have this team on this list a week from now, but they still need to be there, even though they looked very shaky when beating Atlanta. They almost lost that game, but I have the L.A. Rams at number four uh, for obvious reasons. They're the defending Super Bowl champions. Yes, they are only one and one. They look miserable in week one, but I have a feeling a lot of teams are going to look miserable against the Bills. They looked really good for three quarters against Atlanta. I'm assuming they kind of let up, but they've still got to be top four for me. See, that's interesting because the Rams did not make my power poll. Did not because I do believe, once again, complacency is real. And the Rams look complacent to me. Um, Okay, I'm going number four. Number four, can you give me the number four? Can you give it to me again? Number four. Yeah, number four, and they might only be there, of course, for a week, but the Miami Dolphins ah, you at get it. number four. Uh, yeah, you know what? I love what I'm seeing from Tua Tungavailoa. I am absolutely loving this right now. The kind of team they have, it's very physical down there, and yet they're going to play the Bills. They're going to host the Bills this week. That's going to tell us an awful lot about the Miami Dolphins and how good they are. The Buffalo Bills historically have struggled down in South Beach often. Definitely a playoff team though, right? Let, let's let's get a, a bit of sanity here before that game because yes, the Bills tend to struggle in South Beach, but the Bills might also win by 28 on Sunday. No doubt. Miami's still a playoff team. To me, regardless of what happens on Sunday, unless somebody gets hurt. See, I, I haven't seen a big enough sample size, but through two weeks I like what I see. Just the speed they have at receiver is what I was hoping the Cardinals would have when they have everybody healthy. Number three. Three. Number three, Wolf. Uh, They don't look like they're having any fun and Tom Brady looks miserable, but the Buccaneers are 2-0, so I guess the Buccaneers have to be number three on my uh, list. They are the highest rated NFC team I have. I I am kind of quietly worried we're going to get that every other year. Brady just ends up in the Super Bowl. I don't think the Buccaneers are that good, but the NFC is not that good right now. Yeah, I also have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at number three. Um, yeah, they're 2-0, and and hosting the Packers, that's going to be big. That is. That also will tell us an awful lot. This power poll, you're playing each other an awful lot here in the top five. It's going to give us a lot of clarity going into next week, but... They've got Tom Brady, and I think Tom Brady's going through something. And what it is, I don't know, but he definitely doesn't look like Tom Brady. And at some point in time, I think that's going to end, and he is going to look like Tom Brady. And the rest of the team is a physical attack and control the line of scrimmage team. I'm going Tampa Bay, number three. Wouldn't this be ridiculous to end the season this way? It ends up being Bills, Buccaneers. The Bills are just on an absolute tear. They never let up, and then Brady wins again. Brady just gets through a kind of a, you know, 
whatever, mediocre, average NFC, and then he gets the Super Bowl. Please. You take Brady over pretty much anybody Please. in the Super Bowl. No. Yeah, I, I, I would not sign off on, uh, on that. Here we go, number two. Number two. Boy, number two has looked pretty good, but they are not going to get any higher than two while Buffalo's in this league. Uh, Kansas City, number two, and they're coming off a, a little bit of an extended break since they played on Thursday as they go into their game against the miserable Indianapolis Colts right now. Yeah, Patrick Mahomes looks good. I have the Chiefs at number two. I also have the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid at number two traveling to play the Indianapolis Colts. That's going to be a line in the sand for the Colts, I think. That's a good game, I think. We'll see, but I think Kansas City wins it in the end. Well, the desperation for the Colts. Oh, I mean, they are in a division where it's not like any one team. That division has one combined win. You realize that, right? The AFC South has one win. But you can't keep losing and stacking losses like that early in the season. So if, if the Colts have anything left, they're going to make things uh, pretty miserable for the Chiefs on Sunday. All right, number one. Number one. Numero uno. Unbelievable. We could probably both say this in unison, Wolfie. Ready? Three, two, one. Chicago. Oh. Oh. Uh, yeah, Boy. Buffalo. Buffalo. <laughs> I knew you weren't going to say anything. Chicago. <laughs> but you stopped. You weren't what saying are you anything. What are doing, man? The Buffalo Bills. Are you kidding me? I don't want to say it together. I want to I want to expound on this. Right. The Buffalo Bills can be whatever they need to be to beat you. Offensively and defensively. Yeah, by 30. <laughs> exactly. Um, okay, going down to South Beach that has always given the Bills problems. But the Buffalo Bills number one team in the power poll and it's not even close. They have outscored their opponents 72 to 17 in the first two weeks. Those opponents, Wolf, are the defending Super Bowl champs and the team that had the best record in the AFC <laughs> last year. And anybody that watched those two games thinks 72 17's not, it wasn't even that close. Like they just are unreal right now. But it's a long season. Uh, all right, when we come back, we'll get back into some Phoenix Suns basketball. Obviously, the news, Robert Sarver is uh, going to be selling the Suns and Mercury. And Devin Booker getting a little more respect than he typically gets nationally. That's next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Everybody settle down on this beautiful Wednesday. Oh, October looms, does it not? Week and a half. Media day for the Suns. What is that, Monday coming up? Basketball season coming up. First preseason game. Like nine days, ten Are days. Are you kidding me? Baseball. Here's October baseball. Getting ready to ramp up. The NFL season fully underway right now. And now the basketball season getting ready to get kicked off um, or tipped off. Oh, I see what you did there. I, I haven't, uh, I'm not, I'm not going to read the whole Robert Sarver statement 
on the air because it's it's not like long, but it's I think it's too long to read on the air. But <laughs> it's um it's getting mixed reviews. I'll just put it that way. <laughs> like you read the first couple sentences, you're like, okay, you know, here we go. He's uh, he's a little remorseful. He's 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 moving on. He's selling the team, and then by the time you get to like the third paragraph, you're like, okay, he's mm, all right. Starts off the third paragraph with, but in our current unforgiving climate, it has become painfully clear that this is no longer possible. That whatever good I have done or could still do is outweighed by things I have said in the past. For those reasons, I'm beginning the process of seeking buyers for these sons of Mercury. Whatever there you have it. At the end of the day, if you are a Suns fan, I'm guessing what ninety eight percent of Suns fans are pretty excited that they're going to have new ownership. Now, I've seen this question posed, and Gambo brought this up on uh, on Twitter uh, just a couple minutes ago. He said he spoke with person close to ownership group. Does Robert just sell his share, or do the partners agree to sell the entire team? He owns thirty five percent, so may not have legal authority to sell the whole team without agreement. Are there any buy sell agreements in the partnership? So before you go to third party, do you have to offer to insiders or do they have any rights to match a third party offer in the agreement? Mm. When Colangelo sold the team to Robert, there was no professional broker, but many sales are used now with a broker to maximize value auction setting. You and I were talking about this during the break. We probably should. We, I mean, it, it's going to get difficult to track this if only 35% of the team is sold. Yeah. But if the Suns sell, like if the whole thing sells. Exactly. Give Let's, me a number you think they're going to sell for. Um, it's going to start with a three. You think it's going to start with three? I think three it is. Billion. Three billion. 3.1. Okay. Whew. Okay. I'm going to go, what did the Clippers sell for, like $2 billion? I think they sold for two. Was it two or was it more? I've, I mean, that was a few years ago. Yeah, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of what it was. Because the other thing is. I thought it was over $2 billion. The other thing is, like, yeah, there's, there's estimates out there. Oh, the Suns are worth, you know, right around $2 billion or $1.9 billion, But the Suns are the only team for sale. So if anybody wants to buy an NBA yeah. team, it's not like, well, I'm going to pick. Oh, I could get the Suns for two billion, or this team's when Sacramento, the Kings are probably about eighty thousand. Yeah. You just go through. No, this is the only team, <laughs> and they're pretty valuable. So I'm not going to go quite three point one, but I'm going to go two point eight billion. They will sell for. Okay, there you go. Um, once again, I think one of the reasons why is because of the practice facility in Paradise Valley. What is that alone going to sell for? <laughs> All right, I mean the the arena and the renovations on the arena. Once again. I mean, this is tailor-made for somebody that has always had a dream, a dream of actually being an owner and competing against other owners, right? Being the guy that owned a professional sports team. This is this is a dream for a lot of billionaires that are out there. And now, here it is. You want to be in the NBA? And basketball, by the way, is a global sport. There's no doubt about it. A global sport. And because of that, I, I think they're going to get buyers interested from all over the world. Our uh, our entirely unprofessional valuation of the price of the team has uh, yours has Sarver making walking away with one point zero eight five billion dollars. Mine has him walking away with just under a billion nine hundred eighty million. Okay, if uh, if thirty five percent of what we are guessing the team might go for. Okay. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of value with this team. There's a lot of value with any NBA team. The NBA is uh, is not hurting for business. And the timing of this is interesting just because when you and I talked about this last week, towards the end of the week, I think we were both on the same page. He's not owning this team by the end of his one-year suspension. Uh, but it has been eight days since the uh, since the report. Since the investigation, since those findings, I mean, Adam Silver was like eighty. Silver wasn't even hadn't even talked yet seven days ago at this time. Remember, it was Wednesday afternoon. Oh my goodness, you're right. And it's not like the team has been sold, 
but this is not a statement that you can you can go out there and say, yeah, I'm going to begin the process of selling these teams and then come back and own the team. Like, you gotta, it's getting sold. You also have to keep in mind right now that when Robert Sarver bought the team in 2004 and became the majority owner, it was for $401 million, mm-hmm. which was a record at the time. Yeah. In 2004, $401 million, a record at the... What would make you think right now, based on the condition of the the franchise, that it wouldn't set a record as well all over again? I think it will. I mean, we had that Woj tweet earlier uh, saying, you know, this is a desirable franchise in the marketplace uh, with no shortage of high-level ownership candidates. So right there, that to me, Wolf says bidding war. That's, I mean, that's what that says, right? Yes. If you're, and, and, you know, Gambo's tweet is is very important because it is a very different sale if you're like, Okay, we're going to sell Robert Sarver's thirty-five percent. So now, are you going to come in and, and be a co-owner with the owners that we already have here? How is this going to work? Or are the Phoenix Suns for sale? Because if the Phoenix Suns are for sale, I mean, three point one might even be low. Honestly, if there's really going to be a bidding war for the only NBA team available and a team that just won sixty-four games, and see that is it for me right now. I suspect there is going to be a worldwide bidding war. Even if somebody does not have a residence here in Phoenix, seriously, if you've ever had the dream, once again, you're a billionaire out there and you've had the dream of owning a professional sports franchise, especially in the worldwide game of basketball. Oh, man, there, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to step up and say, hey, listen, I'm worth $500 billion. Are you kidding me? Yeah, what's $3 billion? What's What is that? Nothing. Maybe we could pool our money on this show. What do you think command and control could chip in? Yeah, I got about $72. Think that'll help? Yeah. Okay. Well, we've got some time. I know it's not going to sell tomorrow. Um, there was a story on ESPN. Again, there, you know, there are hard trips to Maui from time to time. So, I mean, that. <laughs> okay. So, so, are you out? So, <laughs> somebody, I mean, Maui trips? right. Okay. All right. So, Wolf's out. Uh, fine. I'll just buy the team myself. Um, the point what we were going to talk about in this segment, and now it's just kind of been buried, obviously, by the Sarver stuff, is ESPN's top 100 players. And they did 100 through 11. And uh, DeAndre Ayton is 51. Mikel Bridges, 49. Chris Paul, 21. No Devin Booker yet. Wow. So, this is a. Uh, you know, this is a much smaller thing, obviously, but how many times have you heard a Suns fan say they don't feel like Devin Booker gets the respect around the league he deserves? He is now being viewed as a top 10 player. Oh, my goodness, right there. You're telling me you think that Devin Booker is actually, well, of course, he's got to be. Well, they, he's, they haven't, he's not outside the top they put him out. Are you kidding me right now? That is awesome. Uh, last year, interestingly enough, Devin Booker was 21. Really? 21. How do you going, know that? I just looked it up. No. Oh. Yeah, you know what? So going good in, with that internet. Going in, man, going into that season, the 2021-22 season, Devin Booker was number 21. And now all of a sudden you got Chris Paul at number 21. And D. Book is in the top 10, apparently. This is all the things Suns fans have wanted rolled into one day, right? Devin Booker is getting national respect. Robert Sarver is selling the Suns and the Mercury. This is... This is if you're a Suns fan, look, I get the way last season ended was brutal. I said this yesterday, I'm still not over it. <laughs> I thought maybe by the time this season rolled around, okay, yeah, no, it doesn't in some ways game 7 against the Mavericks feels like it was 100 years ago because of everything that's happened this offseason and in some ways I feel like I'm still walking back to my car after it, honestly, Wolf. <laughs> but 
to to head into <laughs> media day. I like that. Yeah, that was that was good. It was a long walk. That was good imagery Trying right paint, there by you broadcast. Vivid picture. That was <laughs> I told you what happened on the on the walk back to the car, right? The Suns fans were just like they started chanting Let's Go Cardinals. That's yes, where that's where they right. were in May. Yeah, you did tell me that. Um but uh yeah, I think this is it's kind of a weird series of events, but I think Suns fans are probably pretty happy with the way this is all playing out today. Yeah, for me, the signing of the extension, I should say, of DeAndre Ayton, that was to me, that was the the move on period. That was like that was the death of what happened to the Dallas Mavericks and how it ended last season. That was it for me. That was move on. All right, when we get back, uh, we'll switch back to football. How far could Kyler Murray carry the Cardinals this season if he really is taking the next step? We'll get into that. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.